0: In the wake of your spouse's betrayal, do you feel so crippled or paralyzed that healing feels just out of reach? Hi, I'm Kim Pullen, founder of Hope for Spouses, and welcome to this episode of Lunchtime Live. For those of you who are new to our ministry, I started Hope for Spouses after my four-year separation due to my husband's adultery now while we were separated i wrestled to get out of god's way so he could work on my husband and i could focus on my own healing using the scriptures and a safe circle of others we were reconciled in 2015 and since then we've developed a spiritual and emotional intimacy beyond anything i could have imagined and we believe it's because god is the center of our lives individually and as a couple no matter what well-meaning friends or family members tell us sexual betrayal in a marriage is a major traumatic event the psychological damage it inflicts is similar to a major car accident a stage four cancer diagnosis or the sudden death of a loved one When our spouse's betrayal is disclosed, we can become crippled by pain. Without proper care, our unhealed wounds can cause us to emotionally limp through life. We attempt to continue with everyday tasks like work, chores, and parenting, but all these responsibilities seem more difficult, take longer, and feel emotionally draining. Hopelessness rears its ugly head so we can get desperate for a miracle cure to turn things around quickly. We'll try anything that even sounds like it'll work. But after weeks, months, or even years of getting our hopes up only to have them dashed again and again, we grow weary and dispirited. We question God's goodness or power. We question our worth. We question if we are somehow being punished. In this weariness, we can start to justify to ourselves and others that our condition isn't that bad. It's the only way we can reconcile it to ourselves. Then something dangerous happens. We adapt to the pain. It becomes our new normal. We lower our standards and make excuses for why we aren't growing and changing. Deep down, we become embittered at God for not answering our prayers. We've done all this work, but God isn't responding. We feel alone and abandoned by God. Did you know there are people in the scriptures that were crippled as well? Crippled by despondency, shame, and pain. People who had lost all hope of healing and accepted that life would never change for them let's look at how Jesus the great physician showed one person how they could get well we're going to look in John 5 verses 1 through 9. Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades here a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The first time I read this scripture as a young woman, I recall thinking, Jesus' question to this man was absurd. Why would Jesus even ask him this question? Of course he wants to get well. Then I grew up, encountered a lot of disappointments, trauma, and pain. My first son had a series of birth defects and died at 26 weeks during a premature delivery. My second son was diagnosed with autism when he was two and a half years old and I spent years taking him to a barrage of therapies to aid in his development. My youngest daughter was diagnosed with a learning disability called dyspraxia when she was seven years old, which made learning to read an absolute nightmare. My father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer two months after being released from 17 years in prison and died six months later. All this happened before I found out about my husband's serial adultery after 19 years of marriage. With a revelation of my husband's secret life, my world imploded. I felt like somebody had thrown me into a muddy pit on a stormy night and expected me to crawl out. Suddenly, Jesus's question of, do you want to get well, to the paralytic in John 5 made a lot more sense and it struck a nerve. I realized I had a lot more in common with this invalid than I ever thought. After walking around with a crippled heart from my spouse's betrayal for a while, it started to become familiar. As crazy as it sounds, I got used to it and I couldn't imagine my life without the pain. Sure, I could fantasize about my husband changing, but I couldn't imagine me changing. I also realized that my identity had become wrapped up in my spouse's betrayal. After a while, I didn't know who I was without it or who I would be. I was scared. Yes, actually scared of getting well. What would it look like? Could I do it? What would people's expectations of me be then? At least I knew what staying in my pain felt like. It was familiar, but getting well, I didn't know who I would be then. So there were a few things I needed to face if I was going to get well from the crippling effects of my husband's betrayal. First, I needed to stop blaming my husband for why I wasn't getting well. Yes, he had hurt me, devastated me with his sin, but I couldn't keep using him As an excuse. The invalid in John 5 blamed everyone around him. It's a lot easier to blame others for our inaction than it is to accept responsibility for it. Second, and this may not apply to you, but I realized that deep down there was a part of me that started to find my identity in being a victim. It elicited sympathy from some people who might cut me a break when they might not have otherwise. People felt sorry for a single Christian mom of a faithless husband and their expectations were often lower. Now I didn't think this stuff consciously, but later I realized it was a part of me that relished playing the part of the martyr standing for my marriage. Third, I realized that I had been relying on my own strength to figure out how to fix my marriage. At first, I thought if I lost enough weight or I wore the right dress, had the right haircut, or maybe, maybe changed something about my body, that he would notice me and realize the horrible mistake he was making. When that didn't work, I thought if I just read the right book or got him to read the right book, If I saw the right counselor or went to the right intensive or the right program, we would change. He would change and our marriage would be miraculously healed. But I forgot Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Bottom line, I had to ask myself if I really, really wanted to get well, not just fix my marriage, not just have my spouse home, not just get my reputation restored, not just alleviate my financial struggles. Did I really want to get well? Because if I genuinely wanted to get well, I couldn't stay the way I was. Something inside me had to change. I had to re-examine my faith. I had been a devoted, Bible-studying, disciple-making follower of Jesus for 30 years. I had studied the Bible with hundreds of women. Been in the full-time ministry and led ministries of people from, from all ages, races, and backgrounds. So I had to ask myself the question I posed to every single woman. I had opened up the scriptures with, do you really believe what God says? Do you really have faith? Not faith that God could force my husband to repent and come home. But faith that God had the power and compassion to heal me. If I was willing. It rocked me to my core and I realized that I had to rip out the crumbling foundation of my faith and let God rebuild it from scratch. Second, I was broken. I needed Jesus to heal me. I needed Jesus more than I needed my husband or my marriage. Third, I had to listen to Jesus' words and obey what he told me to do, even if it didn't make sense at first and seemed impossible. James 2.20 says, Faith without actions is dead or useless. And then in verse 22, referring to Abraham, James says, You see, his faith, Abraham's, and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete or perfected or matured by what he did. I had to put my faith into action. If I was going to get well, I needed a plan of care, a strategy where I could use the tools at my disposal in the right way for the right reasons and at the right time without making those tools my savior. Now, please don't get me wrong. Some spiritual and secular books are beneficial. They can teach us about things we never considered before. Counseling is super helpful, especially if you have childhood traumas you have never addressed. And programs, support groups, or intensives may be beneficial if, and I reiterate the if, we and our spouse are actually repentant and ready to change so all of these are beneficial when they fit into a strategy or plan of care whether it's in medicine education or carpentry every tool has a purpose you can't just throw a saw and a screwdriver at a two by four and expect a chair to magically appear counseling is amazing but it is a tool not a strategy books programs and support groups are powerful tools, but they aren't a plan. Accountability partners and online communities are supplemental tools, but they won't give you a roadmap to follow to healing. We need a plan of care. We need a plan of care or a strategy that helps us to apply the right tools at the right time for the right purpose. So if you have realized that your spouse's betrayal has crippled you emotionally and spiritually, if you think you've started to make excuses for not getting well and you've compromised your convictions, if you're ready to stop randomly throwing tools at your marriage and want to address your healing using a biblical strategy, then I encourage you to go ahead and schedule a call with me at hopeforspouses.com slash call. Again, that's hopeforspouses.com slash call. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes. You'll have a chance to be heard. See how the scriptures apply to your situation and get clarity, direction, and the resources you need to start healing. That concludes this episode of the Hope for Spouses Lunchtime Live. I'm Kim Pullen. I'll see you next time.